Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, thank you guys for getting up early and coming out. And uh, it's already a beautiful day. Um, dealing with criticism, this is going to be a short lesson. You just need to ignore it, all right? So um, next topic. <laughs> um, I was thinking, though, of uh, why you would be here. Who would be here? Why would you be here? And uh, I, I came up with two reasons. One, you you know me, and you're here to support me. And no matter what I was talking about, you were going to be here. Um, so thank you for being here. Um, or you're here because you actually are dealing with criticism right now in your life, and you want to know how to handle that. And so it's a mixed room. There's people that are just really happy right now, and there's people that are hurting right now in this room. All right. And um, when I lived here in California, um, and I was going to a church called Mac Road. I remember coming in to worship on a Sunday morning, and uh, I was greeted by a guy named Jerry, who uh, recognized that I had shaved differently. I had this like little, little tiny uh, patch of hair like this, little tiny. And he looks at me and he goes, that looks great. That looks great, man. I'm like, thank you, Jerry. Uh, shake his hand, and right when I go into the auditorium, there was a, uh, an older lady, and, and Jerry's an older gentleman, okay? There's an older lady sitting right in the back, and she takes one glance at this new uh, look, and she goes, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm like, this is hilarious. I just got one person saying, it looks great, and then another person saying, I don't like it. They don't like it. And that moment always stood out to me, and it was a powerful moment of, you cannot please everyone. Yeah. You just can't. Um, the only reason why we try to please everyone is pride. We think, I know the saying, you can't please everyone, but maybe I can. And that's pride, right? And that's something I've struggled with, um, trying to please everyone. And the truth is, I cannot. And, and once you realize that that is a reality, you cannot please everyone, it's actually very freeing. Um, Oh, and, and so I ended up shaving half my face and uh, worked out great. Uh, Aristotle said, there is only one way to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. The problem with that is Jesus said we are to be light and salt. So this is not an option for us Christians. If we are to be light and salt, criticism just comes with the territory. And so... Years ago, when I went through a preacher training, and my mentor happens to be here today, which is so cool, um, when I first started the training, he realized that I needed thick skin. Uh, um, how many of you are people pleasers? Is there any people pleasers? Yeah, a lot of people pleasers get into ministry, right? Because they love the Lord and they love people, or they were tricked by the Lord and they're going <laughs> to learn to love them, right? Um, so. <clears throat> My, my mentor realized, okay, I, I need thicker skin. And this is, this is the verse that he quoted to me. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? Um, if, if a little bump messes you up and gets you to take your eyes off of Jesus and now... now you're wavering in faith. Like, what's, what, what happens when the real storms come, right? Um, 
And I think he quoted this to me when I was trying to figure out, you know, what happy meal I was ordering. Um, I'm joking. That's a terrible joke. Okay, let's move on. So you can't escape criticism. It's everywhere, especially if you're online. You just, you're going to get all sorts of criticism. Uh, just mentioning you're a Christian, you're going to get criticism because people have been hurt by Christians in the past. And as soon as you mention you're a Christian, you're on the front lines to get those comments. Um, I've been a college uh, minister, then a youth minister, and now a pulpit minister, and in every ministry I've been a part of, criticism is there. Just, just part. If you're in ministry, you know that you work with people, and not everyone is going to like everything you do. <clears throat> so I have seen entire ministries get shut down because of criticism. That's, that's how powerful criticism is. It can get people who are blessed by God, gifted by God, and God wants to use them in the kingdom. Criticism can derail that and cause people to go, I, I guess this isn't, it, it's not for me. Like, it just hurts. Criticism can really, really hurt. If you are a leader and, and a people pleaser, it can stunt your growth as a leader. Because you can get to a place where you're afraid to make the right decisions because you know, oh, that's going to anger so-and-so. And so you can get in this rut, and it can kill your joy. Um, I used to be a, a people pleaser. Uh, I'm not anymore, if that's okay with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I have been a people pleaser, and it's still in my nature to want people to like me and like what I do. And I have found that to be the leader Jesus wants me to be, I have to be okay with some people not liking what I do and liking me sometimes. And that will always hurt. But there are ways that we can move forward and have a great ministry, even while people don't like everything you do and don't like you. It is high, I know it's possible, all right? Um, criticism will always hurt, but I'm gonna share today some things that have truly helped me. So. Honest criticism is hard to take, particularly from a relative, a friend, an acquaintance, or a stranger. Um, <laughs> criticism is just really hard to accept. <clears throat> now, I don't know if we get sound in this room, so we'll, we'll see here. Oh, uh, we don't get sound. Oh, that's sad. Okay, well, um, this is one of our elders. My attitude is I'm 100% all the time okay. and so I put a lot of time into it and we were we were having some issues with some of the engineering and we had a problem they always like to blame it on quality you know quality engineer you didn't do your job but I was there and I was doing my job so I got called over to the program office big bosses basically and they made a comment they made a personal and when you make a personal with me I go from pretty even keeled to uh, instantly hot. How do they make it personal? It goes into, hey, you're lazy, and I'm not lazy. You're not putting enough time in. Kathy can attest to all the hours I put in down there. I mean, I was in there for, first one in, last one out. I can also testify. This is one of our elders uh, where I preach, and uh, he is such a hard worker, um, and uh, he really is. And he was a Marine, so uh, that says a lot, too. Um, Marines are no joke, and, That's and right. yeah. <laughs> what else did you want me to say? 
All right, but uh, but he he, what he's saying in that video is he got criticized, and it hurt. Criticism hurts. Why? The word criticized comes from the Greek word kritikos, which kind of sounds like the word critical, right? Um, you can tell someone today who's being a little too critical. Stop being kritikos, um, which means able to judge. We do not like being judged by people in a in a bad way, in a in a condemning way. Uh, it first appeared in English in the 16th century. To criticize something means to judge it, especially to find fault with it. Criticism can be positive or negative, but it is usually used to point out flaws or shortcomings. So that's why we tend to kind of start to get our guard up when we start to hear people being critical of us. We're like, uh-oh, danger. Uh, they're, they're, they're judging me in a way I don't like. Off the top of your head, who are some people that you look up to in your life? It can be famous people. It could be people you're related to. Who do you look up to in your life? My wife. Your wife. Okay. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. What else? Friends. Friends. Okay. Brother. Your brother. If you're short like me, you look I'm up to everyone. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in public figures in ministry. Okay. I've had people that I uh, have had on pedestals of based on their work, their their messaging, and then you know actually thought, you know, this guy knows me, I'm somebody. And then when you get to know them a little better, you find out, ah, you know, there's some some play feet going on here mm -hmm. too. Yeah, absolutely. Parents. Parents. So the correct answer was Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> none of the people we look up to had 100% approval ratings. No one. And that is really encouraging. The people we look up to have critics. The people we look up to have people that hate what they do. And don't like them, right? And that is surprisingly really, really encouraging because that's true for us. That's true for us. What's your favorite ice cream? This is not a trick question. I'm going to write you Mint chocolate chip. All right. Gold Mint. Medal. All right. I'm just going to use, uh, spell the words I know how to spell. <laughs> Java chip. Oh, okay. All right, CH stands for chocolate. All right, <laughs> pistachio. Okay, SP stands for that. Vanilla. Vanilla. V stands for vanilla. <laughs> like, man, you can't spell anything. I am I dyslexic. Like uh, that's a. I love all the ones on the screen. Oh, What's that? I love all the ones on the screen. On the screen? <laughs> oh, over there. Oh, yeah. Okay, so strawberry. Pralines and cream is good. Praline. Oh, is strawberry. <laughs> All right. Now, out of people's favorite flavors, is there any flavor on this wall that you particularly don't like? Um, Mint. No. Gold. Strawberry. <laughs> what else? I don't like, I don't like Okay. Yeah. Pistachio. 
All right. I love it. <laughs> Any other flavors? Uh, Java chip. Does anyone not like Java chip? All right. Never tasted Java chip. Oh, it's the best. Anyone not like chocolate? Anyone not like vanilla? <laughs> okay, okay. I like, oh, please, someone not like it. Otherwise, this is going to ruin my. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say I don't like this one. <laughs> but here's, here's the point we all have different flavors. And if you, you go out to eat and uh, you order ice cream, you don't get mad at the person who orders a different flavor of ice cream. Why? Because we've learned that people have a different palate. People have different tastes for things in art, in music, and praise God, we have all these varieties. Um, it would be wrong for me to be like, everyone has to love country music. You just have to. Um, it's the only way Jesus, you know, sang. Uh, or everyone has to love rap. Like, we have these differences, and we we don't we shouldn't get upset when someone's like I don't I don't really like country or I don't really like rap or I don't really like vanilla, because we just understand we have this different different palette. That has been so helpful because I used to believe that there is only one kind of preaching, there's only one type of style that 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 works. Now I realize we need as many styles as possible out there to reach a wide audience, right? We need people that are more stoic, we need people that are more animated, we need people that are more soft, we need people that are more loud, we need the whole gamut to reach this world. Um, and I don't get upset when my style isn't someone else's palate. It would be so, it would be uh, wrong for me to be like, you have to like chocolate. If you guys don't like chocolate, get out of this room, you know, and then, <laughs> and then we would have one person leave, which would be sad. Um, so that knowing that people have different tastes and it's okay for people to have different styles that they really gravitate towards and gravitate uh, away from helps me not to take things so personal. It is, it is perfect fine. You do not have to like my preaching or my, or my, my style of teaching. You don't have to. And, and that frees me. I am not, and I'm still a, a person that likes people to like me and like what I do. But I'm free. I, I know that Jesus designed me in a certain way, and I just need to grow in that way. All right, so <clears throat> this, it took me a long time to realize this. I don't like everyone. I don't like everyone. There's some people that I'm like, ah, oh, they're just hard. They're hard to love. They're, they do things I don't like, right? Um, I need to give the grace for other people to not like me. If it's okay for you and I to not like people, we have to give other people the room to not like us too. They have different palettes, they have different styles, they have different ways. And, they, and, and life is so dynamic that some of the people that don't like you now, they might learn to like you later. But you gotta give them that grace, that room too. Uh, there's some people that, uh, when I first met them, I, I'm like, their first impressions were really bad, but over the years, as I've gotten to know them more, I'm like I kind of like, kind of like my mom. No, I'm joking. My mom's here. My mom's here today, so I got my I got my tall jeans from my mom right there. 
In fact, I think there's only two people that I'm not related to in this room. <laughs> 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 All right, so I want to talk about David, uh, it's particularly the day that he did some door dashing, right, for his brothers. <laughs> and um, this day that he decided to, to help out and door dash is a crazy day. Just in this one day, he is criticized by three people, three big people, right? You got, can you guys remember some of the people he was criticized? All in one day, he is criticized by crazy. What's that? Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, the day that he door dashed. So, um, his brothers. Yes, his brother Eliab, right? And then who else? His wife. This is when he danced. That's, yes, and that's later on. Later on, yes. King Saul, right? And then who's? Goliath. All in one day, he gets criticized, criticized, criticized. Criticism is so so crazy because you could be, you could preach a message, teach teach a class, and nine people come up and say that was that was so good, thank you so much, and then one person comes up and says, "Good message today." You know, like, I was like, wait, what, wait, why do you say it like that? You know, um, and then the rest of your afternoon, you're thinking about that one critical comment instead of the nine people that were like, that blessed me so much. Thank you. Um, well, he gets criticized, and these are criticisms from all over the gamut. You have a brother, okay? Sometimes criticism is really hard to take from a relative, someone who does know you, at least knows you better than most people know you. He gets criticized by the king of Israel, King Saul pretty big deal. And then he gets criticized by Goliath, who uh, is a big deal. So all in one day. So I just want us to, to uh, think about this and how he handles it. When Eliab, David's brother, uh, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Now, He's not really asking for a response because if he was, he would stop and listen. But he's really getting ready to just go in at David. Why do you think Eliab might be already inclined to be angry with David? What has already happened in the story to cause Eliab to maybe have some jealousy issues with his younger brother? Yeah, he was anointed. Uh, uh, sorry, David was anointed already to be the next king, and he, Eliab, who looked like he should have been the king, was not chosen. He's the oldest brother. He was not chosen. He looked the part, but he didn't get the part. So uh, there might have been some, some real jealousy there. And, he, and so he asked, why have you come down here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. He's judging David's heart, which we really don't, we don't have a place to judge and weigh the heart like that. He's judging these motives that he really doesn't know what, why David showed up and what's going on. What is David described as? A man after God's own heart. And here his older brother is judging that heart right now, very critically. Now, uh, a typical person, a people pleaser, would be so caught off guard and hurt by this that they might just go back home. 
Like, I, I, I'm, here's your food. I'm done. I'm out of here. But David is so passionate about a bigger narrative than, than the narrative of me, my life, what's going on for me, who's attacking me, who's hurting me. David is so passionate about whose narrative? God's. And whenever we start to feel that we're not getting the praise we need or we're, we're getting too criticized by people, one of the things we need to do is get, get a little break and be recharged by the bigger narrative. This is not about me. This is about, the, this is about God and his, his narrative. David is so passionate about the Lord. All right? I think uh, we already talked about that. Uh, talked about that. Okay, so... <laughs> this is how David responds. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. He's wanting to know who's going to take out Goliath. That was what he was talking about when his brother interrupted and criticized him. And instead of getting derailed from that criticism, he goes, the big story, who's going to take care of Goliath? That inspires me. That is a good leader. A leader who gets derailed by attacks personally all the time is, is not a leader I want to follow and be around because they get distracted too much by the little story called me. But the big story of God, now that's a leader that I, I love working with. That is awesome. Um, uh, and by the way, I have uh, our three elders from our church are here today. And they're awesome to work with. We're super blessed. Um, they're, they're men that they see the big vision of, of God. <clears throat> so what was David's response? He didn't argue back. He didn't gather crowds of people to see who supported him and who supported Eliab. He didn't storm off, have a pity party, and lament all the hurt and pain Eliab had brought into his life. He simply moved on. Uh, my mentor, Mike, yesterday when he heard I was talking about criticism he said this is going to be short you just ignore it and and it's true like david just ignores his brother and moves on that, that that's really hard to do when the most important thing in your life is me that's really hard to do when that's what you're living for when it's for god and that's the priority you actually can move on even while people don't like you even when people are misjudging you King Saul looks David over, and David does not look like he's a warrior ready to battle Goliath, and says to him, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Again, this is criticism. Dude, I, I'm looking, oh, you can't do this. Nope, you, you do not look the part, I'm sorry. Criticism, now, some people, they get criticized, uh, by Simon Cow, and they're done for. Like, that hurts. Uh, okay, he doesn't believe in me. I, I'm going home. Um, but David responds because he gets his sense of worth and value from God and knows that if God is with him, he's going to be able to do this. So he explains to Saul, 
that he's already had battles leading up to this one, and the Lord is the one who gave him the, the success there, and the Lord will give him success now. What is David doing? He's looking at the big picture. He's not saying, well, I've been successful, so I'll be successful again. He's looking at God, bigger picture, and he says God can give the deliverance today. And then we're, we're, we're kind of just going to the places where David is criticized. Um, so Goliath looked at David, looked David over, and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Which is a great analogy. It's kind of funny how fighters can be good at like poetry. You know, like Mike Tyson, and did, like they did, like or uh, Muhammad Ali, right? They had these poems about who they were fighting. Um, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? What a great picture! A, imagine a big dog with a little twig in its mouth. Like that's what you're bringing me. Like this is nothing, right? Um, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. This is a giant talking to David. Um, the next verse should have said something like, uh, David needed another set of underwear. Um, but David responds to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you. And notice, David isn't ignorant of what is in front of him. He mentions what is right in front of him, but where is his focus? His focus isn't on the giant and what all the giant possesses. He's focused on the big picture. You've messed around with my God, and I'm going to stand up with my God, and you're going to know who God is. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Man, this David's story is so inspiring because he's so focused on the big story and not the me story. Criticism is so uh, hurtful and, and powerful when we're stuck in our own little world. If we take a step back and see the bigger picture, we can actually move on while people do not believe in us, while people do not uh, think we can do it. And that's a good thing. If you're waiting for everyone to believe in you before you do something, you're never going to do it. All right, so I'm inspired by David not getting caught up in his ego. He's passionate for the Lord and the bigger narrative of life. What's crazy is Eliab, who was so jealous of David, this is what's so powerful. You don't get caught up in the me story. You can inspire people to change. And I believe Eliab is one of those people that ended up changing. The scripture says later on, uh, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers, and that would include his older brother, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. That's pretty powerful. Eliab is like, I know why you've come down here. You have this wicked heart, and, I, and I'm never going to, you know, it just, ugh. And then now he's like, I think you're going to be my king. My little bro is going to be my king. That would have turned out a lot different if David was stuck in the me story. And, 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 and uh, 
But because he was focused on the bigger story, I think his older brother was able to see that. Wow, he really does have a different heart than I thought he had. How did Jesus handle criticism? He uh, was called demon-possessed, a false messiah, Beelzebul, a raving mad, a drunkard, a liar, a glutton. He was criticized by religious authorities, Roman authorities, his, his own people, uh, his disciples, and his relatives, his brothers. He dealt with criticism. And he says this, If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his house? So Jesus never promised that being a disciple of his was free of criticism. He, he actually says, guys, you see how they're attacking me? They're going to be attacking you. So he doesn't paint any, uh, you know, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He really warns us that this is part of Christianity. You will be criticized, and it just comes with the territory. The student is not above the teacher nor the servant above his master. One of my problems was, it was um, I didn't know it, but the pride of life, arrogance, thinking, I know that Jesus had haters, but maybe not me. That's so crazy. Uh, I know Jesus had haters, and people didn't like what he did all the time, but maybe, maybe people can like me and like what I do all the time. That's the pride of life. That's arrogance. There's no way, there's no human that has ever been able to have that 100% approval from everyone. Uh, Jesus even had a warning. Woe to those who, when everyone is talking well of you. Uh, There's there's definitely something weird going on, you know. Um, in, In the last few years, this is something I believe the Lord has been really showing me to be okay with. God never promised that in your ministries, you're not gonna have a Judas. Sometimes people will throw out entire ministries because they find a Judas. Like, oh, that ministry must have been bad because there was a bad apple there throughout the whole thing. You would have to throw out the ministry of Jesus if you did that. Jesus had a ministry that had a Judas in it. And Jesus washed the feet of Judas and served even Judas. He ate at the table with Judas. Knowing that has really freed me. It's like, I don't have to go to a church where everyone likes me. There might be some people that I'm taking the Lord's Supper with that don't like me and don't like what I do. And that is okay. That is okay. What does uh, the scripture say? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It doesn't say you prepare a, 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 a feast before me and you've completely wiped out all my enemies. In the presence. In the presence. Sometimes the people that are the hardest to love will go to the same church as you. And you're going to be okay eating the Lord's Supper with them at the same table. You're going to be okay. Um, That's powerful because if you don't believe that, if you think, oh, no, I'm only going to be happy when everyone who doesn't like me is gone, that's that's not going to happen. There's always going to be someone that just doesn't, they're in a place where they don't like what you do. So you eat at the table with them. And you love Judas. You wash his feet. You, you don't try to find ways to talk bad about them behind their back. You try to lift them up. And maybe God will reach Judas. Does anyone know Lindsey Sterling? Okay, a few of you. Yeah. So 
she was on America's Got Talent, and uh, this is what was said to her in 2010. Pierce Morgan said that she sounded like a bunch of rats being strangled. Right? Not the greatest thing you want to be told on on TV in front of everyone. Uh, <clears throat> she ended up taking that criticism and turning it into fuel. She believed that she could be successful. And instead of letting that criticism just cripple her, she goes, I'm going to prove him wrong. And she did. She went, she goes on tours. And um, even Pierce Morgan said that he was wrong about her. Right. So um, you can take criticism and it's not always a bad thing. It can actually be fuel for you to go to the next level. Um, Michael Phelps, he was known for taking the criticism of his opponents and instead of just talking right back to them, he would take that fuel and say, I'll, I'll, I'll talk back to you with how I swim. Okay? When, when we go head to head, I'll take all those criticisms. You go ahead, just keep throwing, just give me those criticisms. Uh, right? Like the French team was just th throwing so much stuff at him. He took it and then proved it in the water. It is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. God wants us to silence our enemies, but by doing good. Right? Um, you know that I'm dealing with criticism when my biceps get bigger. Okay. Um, seriously, when you are being criticized, you're going to have extra adrenaline. And there's two, two things you can do. You can either stay on your bed and just toss and turn and be angry and just fuming over what that person said about you that was wrong and 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 now your heart rate's going up and your health is deteriorating or you can take that extra energy and go use it productively to get in shape to do to go on a walk go on a jog go to the park do go on a hike do something with that extra energy that's positive all right because you will have it's funny the pandemic hit I, before the pandemic hit, I was going to the gym uh, two to three times a week. I was getting in really good shape, and then the pandemic hit, gym shut down, and I just wasn't finding motivation to keep working out at, at home. So I gained weight back, and then as the pandemic started to subside, I still wasn't very motivated to get back into working out again. And then someone criticized me. <laughs> Seriously, I got criticized, and it was uh, very painful. But you know what? It got me motivated. And I used it for good. I did not uh, figure out ways to use this extra energy to get back. I was just like, hey, I, I actually want to go work out now. I have this extra energy. I'm going to the park. I'm going to go work out. Um, and so use that criticism as fuel for good instead of letting it eat you up from the inside. It doesn't have to. You can use it to, to better yourself. Accepting constructive criticism opens your heart to the paths of life. Oh my goodness, it's 842. All right, hold on. I, I want to get to uh, another. Okay. What if there's truth to the criticism? What if there's truth? Well, if there's truth, Proverbs 15 5 says, Only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. Choose to learn what you can from that criticism, right? Um, we're going to have to. Oh, oh man. Okay. Um, John was saying that it's hard. It's e it's easy to let some criticism just go 
you know, ignore it when it's coming from someone who is critical all the time. But when someone who isn't critical all the time comes and approaches you, they're usually always positive and they have something to say, you might want to listen up. There might be truth to it. In fact, all criticisms you have that they come to you, you might want to just kind of take a step back and ask, is there any truth to this? Because if there's truth, no matter what their motive is, maybe they're trying to hurt you, but if there is some truth to it, you can improve, you can grow, right? Um, so take what is good, reject what is not useful. My friend Ming, um, he is someone that I will take advice from. I, I've looked up to him since I was in high school. And um, Ming, a few years ago, uh, I guess it was like about seven years ago, we were eating. And he says, you preach too seriously. He just says this in front of some other people. And I'm like, ouch. Because I want people to like my preaching, my, my teaching, my style. And here is one of my best friends saying, you preach too seriously. And I thought about it and thought about it. And I, I came to the conclusion he actually was right. I look back at some of my recordings and, and what I look like. Like I could be laughing in the parking lot with you. And then when I preach, I'm like, all right, open your Bibles. You know, let's talk about God's love is forever, you know. And um, I think I got a picture of me preaching. Yeah. So uh, that's what I would look like when I would preach. And uh, I am so grateful that Ming said, this, this is how I, how I see. He said um, it would make him sad because he's like, there's, there's more to Caleb. You're not just serious. There's a funny side to you. You're the funniest guy I know. He didn't say that, but um, I like to imagine he said it. Um, he said, uh, I, I would like to see the whole package. You know, And Jesus, I believe Jesus was also humorous. He told stories. He wasn't just serious. Can you imagine sinners wanting to follow someone who was just always like kind of disgruntled? Right? That doesn't make sense. He was a people person. So there, there was more to the story. He got serious. He also knew how to laugh and, and, and listen. Bill is on the internet. Bill sees something that offends him. Bill moves on. Bill is smart. Be like Bill. <laughs> I like that. As we wrap this up, because it is 8.45, and I want you guys to have time to, to get to the next class, um, this, this focusing on Jesus here, I think, is so helpful. 1 Peter 2, he committed no, no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He kept his focus on the big picture. Man, and if anyone knows how you're feeling right now, if you're being criticized, it's Jesus. And you can go to him, and he will understand exactly how that feels. And he'll help you. He'll give you strength to deal with it. And he'll give you the freedom to know that you can be successful in ministry while there is an enemy sitting at the table with you. You can have success in ministry while some people don't believe in you. You can have success in ministry while some of your own members... They don't, they don't believe in you. That's okay. You really want them to believe in Jesus. You want, you, you're focused on the big picture. Whether they, whether they like you or, that's okay. Let's, let's just try to get them to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's say a prayer. And thank you so much for being here. And I hope, I hope this has helped.
Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for everyone in this room, and thank you for the Pepperdine lectureships. Please let everyone who's taken time to come here be so blessed and refreshed and go home excited to serve you, God, and to spread your love to people that don't know you. God, thank you so much for what you're doing and what you have done and what you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.